Thank you, Bella. Great to hear your moo again. I know it's been a while. Welcome back to another edition of the Soccer Specialist Podcast. For those of you in the Facebook group, get my email newsletter, and everyone should be in the Facebook group and get my email newsletter. You know that um, there's been a lot going on lately. I haven't been able to crank out the podcast episode on a regular basis um, the last uh, couple months or so, but I've got a chance to sit down and do this one. The other day, I read something that probably all of you have heard at one time or another. It's kind of conventional wisdom, and that is the idea of spending a majority of your time working on improving your weaknesses and that's what's going to make you a great player and as a surprise to no one who has been in the group facebook group a while or listened to the podcast on a regular basis i'm going to sit here and say yeah not so much really it's another piece of conventional wisdom that i happen to think is wrong and i promise you i don't think these things wrong or are wrong just for the sake of thinking they're wrong. It's just sort of the experience I've had over time going all the way back and getting into, um, you know, fitness and weight training for athletics and this and that. And uh, just so amazingly turns out that more often than not, conventional wisdom is wrong. And you don't want to be a contrarian just to be a contrarian. But I have found a lot of times when you dig a little deeper into these um, accepted wisdoms, these things that are, are just you know, everyone seems to nod their head and go, yeah, that makes sense. And that's correct. It turns out not not so much. So I wanted to talk a little bit about why working on your weaknesses for the most of your time is not necessarily the way to be a great player. And that really what you need to be working on is your strengths. Now, before I get into it, because weaknesses, you're only going to get your weaknesses up to a certain point. And if you're not spending a lot of time on your strengths, they're not getting better. They may even regress and you're actually going to be not as good a player. But I'm going to get into a little bit about the why. But first, before I even get into that, because I know this is what's going to go through uh, everybody's heads. I'm not saying as an eight year old, you go out there and all you do if you're right footed is touch the ball with your right foot. I mean, first of all, when you're a young developing player, you don't really have strengths and weaknesses. I mean, other than you find out whether you're left-footed or, or right-footed, but that's not really a strength or weakness. That's just knowing your dominant and non-dominant sides. Um, and so understand something, that during development, develop everything, okay? What I mean, first of all, it takes a while again before really truly knowing what a, a strength is that you might have, and then focusing on maximizing it, you know, whether it's Abby Wambach in the air, um, Robin, the, the great um, player from the Netherlands and uh, Bayern Munich and uh, I believe played for Real Madrid and man, maybe even Chelsea way back, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, the, what, 200-plus goals that he scored. This plays on the right, cuts into the left around the top of the box, plays that left-footed bender, far upper 90, boom, goal, right? Uh, every defender knew he was going to do it. He did it anyway and made a career out of it because he was so good. But going back to when you're starting out, you're developing everything. I mean, no matter what sport it is or what you may have a standout strength uh, in that sport as, as a skill, you need a baseline of being able to play the game. And for, of course, soccer is you need to be able to control the ball with every part of your foot, 
really your entire body. And you learn that as you get older, you got to take balls out of the air, off the chest, off the thigh, all that. But let's just talk about on the ground for now. You need to be able to control the ball comfortably with both feet, with every part of your foot. That's why I have the, the ball control stuff like the 30 day and get started with the 30 day ball control at the soccer specialist.com, which is is free. I think that's really, really important. You should start out using both feet right away. For those who don't know the story, I've talked about it briefly. Um, my niece, obviously, I, I started working for, with her before she even got into organized soccer, just started kicking the ball around. You know, she liked it enough to, to then go play, and it's played all through high school with a five-year varsity starter in, uh, in high school and so forth. And um, it was just because of my background, it was, you know, both feet right away, um, you know, dri dribbling and passing to the point where even when she was as young as eight, nine years old, she'd get out there for something like a camp or whatever and a trainer. And, and I remember one time with the trainer, she got there uh, early and they're just the trainers warming up with her and they're knocking the ball back and forth. And she made a comment, oh, we got a lefty here, which is where she got the nickname lefty is because she's not. She's right footed, but from day one, it was both feet. But understand it wasn't taking away from the development of her right foot to develop her left. It was just that natural, this is soccer. It's a two-footed sport. You're going to start out with both feet to the point where the two things that you knew in order to figure out if she was right-footed or left-footed, if you watched her long enough, was her free kicks. Her free kicks, and by the way, she was a phenomenal, phenomenal ball striker. She's called her free kicks as she got older. Free kicks, you know, and, and corner kicks and, and uh, PKs were all right-footed because as good as she was with her left as as comfortable as she was with her left and i think this is is true of any player who even is you know is a comfortable two-footed player and one of the ways you find this out with the pros that are so good when they have to when they shoot from distance they want to put that ball on their dominant foot every single time because they can do more with it right their, their other foot they might be just as comfortable and they can hit a powerful semi-accurate shot whereas with their good foot you know, they maybe they can they can dip it, they can bend it, they can knuckle it. You know, they can slice it a little bit. You know, they can do all these these different things. Is usually what uh what separates it. But again, so you have to. My my point being, my to make a long story long, it's a two footed sport, and you've got to have that core down. And then when you have that baseline, you will find certain things that you do well, and then you want to maximize those things. Okay, if that makes sense. So that as a, a, a right-footed player, when you go at the defender, you want to be able to make a move and go left or right if you have to. You want to be able to keep the ball and get out of trouble using your opposite foot if you have to. The 5, 10, 15, 20-yard passes on the ground, you need to be able to be as powerful and as accurate with both feet. Again, where you're going to see the difference is if you're hitting a switch of play, you know, um, that's a 40 yard ball in the air right to your teammate's foot. You're going to hit that pass with your, your dominant foot. You're going to hit that pass with your, with your strength. Um, so it's definitely a two footed game in terms of the ball control, the passing and so forth and things like that. But if you watch the great players, they all have something that there's, is their strength. They want to get on that. And if you're, they're good enough you're not going to stop it because here's the thing. You can't overplay the other way because they will take advantage, right? They're good enough with their foundation to take advantage of that. 
uh, a good example, I believe. Man, it's been a while, but I think this is Ronaldinho. Oh, man, it, it may be another, but I think this is, is uh, Ronaldinho when he would start throwing, um, going out of defender at speed and throwing scissors, you know, multiple scissors. He would always, always end up going to his left, I believe. Now, of course, it still didn't get stopped by the defender because I think we all know that Ronaldinho was good enough that if the defender was going to obviously overplay to that direction, he would most certainly go the other way, right? I think you see that with a lot of players. They want to end up going a certain way. That's that's their strength, but you can't overplay it. Another great example of that is Robin, who I mentioned earlier. And, um, oh, look, I did put, I did give myself, I thought I had it here somewhere, the number, I think he scored 209 goals, 209 goals in his in his professional career, he, you know, scored quite often. And most of those, what he loved to do for those who aren't familiar with him, played on the right side as a left-footed player. He wanted to get the ball and square up defenders, you know, in that final third, that place that Tobin Heath life, that final third outside the box, face of the defender. What he ended up, what he really wanted to do, because this was his strength. This is what made him so great was he mastered this, his strength, which was, go at the defender, get left. So then he's going parallel around that top of the box area from the, the corner in, and then he would hit a bending left-footed ball into the upper far 90. And he scored goal after goal after goal that way. And it didn't matter that the defenders knew he wanted to do it because here's the thing. He did have a baseline. He was comfortable off with both feet that if you really overplayed that and he couldn't get left, he would go right and play a dangerous cross in or to the point if he if he got you overplaying that left so much he'd not only go right to the to the uh end line but he would get by the defender so he's dribbling end line and then pick out teammates whether it's you know a ball to the the penalty spot and the cutback or something near post for somebody to flick in or a chip to the far post or what what have you so you couldn't just say oh my gosh robin i know i got to take away that left foot because he wants to get in there and bend the ball in and score because he will just go the other way and, and he might even get in enough to, to get out a, to get a shot closer to goal, or he's just going to lay something off to a teammate. You know, I think Messi, someone pointed this out. I brought up this podcast idea in the Facebook group and someone pointed out about Messi. I think they checked it up and it's like his left foot to right foot goal scoring ratio is like six to one. Okay. Um, you know, basketball players, it's just real quick um, being a, a Philly guy. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ben Simmons, phenomenal talent head case they finally shipped him off out of philly because he's got he's got no mind for the no mind for the game he couldn't handle the uh the pressure can't handle the philly fans and all that and he refused to to get better and what i mean is all uh all credit to him there's probably nobody in the game right now who is good as as good getting to the basket and finishing as ben simmons the problem is ben simmons can't make a shot outside of eight feet and he doesn't doesn't care to to get better at doing so uh, and my point being, there goes to the core competency. We're not saying, hey, Ben should just completely stop driving to the basket or practicing that at all and do nothing but shoot 20-foot jumpers. No, but Ben should take the time to learn to hit a shot from 15 feet, which is nothing more than a foul shot, so that defenders can't lay off enough to, to completely take away his strength, right? So it goes a little bit back to the core competency part. And then... um. Again, with what I said about Robbins, even though they knew what he was going to do, you can go all the way back to like the 60s in the NFL and Vince Lombardi's Packers. And, and you know, they're, uh, I think, end 
end run sweep player or what have you. I think uh, one time, you know, Lombardi talked about, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if the defense knows it's coming because we're going to be so good at it. They're not going to stop it anyway. Because, again, you think the defender can't completely commit to stopping the strength like that because at a professional level, right, you're good enough with your core, your your baseline, your core competency skills to just do something else. Like I mentioned with Ronaldinho, if, you know, you think, oh, scissor, every time scissor, it's going to end up going left, whether it's a scissor number three or five, seven, now however many he does, it's going to go left. I'm going to just take that away. Ronaldinho will then go right and he'll dribble by you and he'll score and it'll be embarrassing, right? So you obviously need to take your core skill levels to a certain level, you you know, be, being two-footed in terms of your dribbling, your passing, your ball control, things like that. Um, even Michael Jordan, with the, right? Michael Jordan couldn't hit an outside shot um, when he made the NBA. I shouldn't say he couldn't hit one, but that was far from his strength. And he did work on it, not to the detriment of his strengths, but he did work on it enough to where now you couldn't play off Michael Jordan to take away his crossover because you didn't want to get embarrassed. You had to step up a little because he shot well enough from outside that you had to step up and, and worry about that as well. So develop and also developing your game, adding new things to your game and finding out really what works for you. is not the same as focusing, focusing the majority of your time on your weakness to the detriment of the rest of your game and especially your strengths. Um, you know, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier, all great pros when they're shooting from distance, they all want to get onto their strong foot. They all want to get onto their dominant foot because as good as they might be with their other foot for a lot of things, when it gets right down to it from something like that, when you're talking about having needing the power and the accuracy and the control and the different ways you can shape the ball for your shot, they want to be on their strong foot because that's what's going to be most effective for them. Hopefully I rattled off a lot of stuff that made this um made this make a little bit of sense and that you kind of step back and rethink this whole spending all my time on my weakness thing. And again, for most players, you don't even know really what your strength or weakness is. I mean, again, I, I watch a lot of youth soccer and I rarely see any moves. So how do you even know? Like, let's take it to specific moves. How do you even know if your move is the Matthews or scissors or step over, you know, Maradona or whatever it might be? It, you don't, you don't know them. You don't do them enough to have something that's so comfortable that you're so good at that that's your go-to. Um, you got to figure that out first. And along the way, as you do, you're building up all parts of your game so that everything meets a certain level. And then it's having that incredible strength. That's something that is so good. That's something that is so unstoppable. And that's what's going to elevate your play to being a great player from just a good player or a solid player. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. This got kind of long. Uh, Feels good to actually do a podcast episode again. I'm going to try my best to keep this going back on a regular basis. Hopefully, there are still people out there that are listening to it. Um, if you haven't done so, please go check out Impact Soccer Performance at impactsoccerperformance.com. Um, and for all those that do have it and have got, gave me feedback and, and, and told me how much it's helped them or their player, what have you, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening again, for spreading the word, for letting other people know. That is how we grow. I'm going to leave it there, and I will talk to you later.